Arizona moves to fire assistant head coach Mark Phelps, plus more on the NCAA investigation of Arizona basketball right now on Wildcat Radio. Wildcat Radio. Welcome back, Wildcats, to Wildcat Radio, the most interesting podcast, uh, particularly today, in the world covering Arizona basketball news and Arizona football news. This is Brian Conger. Those of Wildcat Radio, you can follow the podcast for free on Twitter at Wildcat Radio AZ, and definitely send us your thoughts, and you can uh, you can read all our stuff, including a really good article that we're going to cover in a moment on WildcatRadioAZ.com, and you can subscribe to the podcast for free on iTunes, TuneIn, uh, Google Play, SoundCloud, basically any podcast catcher out there. We are there. Big, big news. We were going to record today about the uh, ongoing uh, NCAA investigation now, not the FBI investigation, um, but also tie together how the NCAA investigation is related to the FBI investigation. And then just ginormous news dropped right now, and we're covering it, and uh, we'll get into that. But first, I am joined by Mr. Rob Bauer. And what's going on, Rob? Oh, I... I, I... We were going to talk about this sort of stuff anyway, so this just uh, we just had to do a lot of reading really quick. Oh yeah, I know. <laughs> we had to literally stop. And go, okay, all right, let's make sure we get all this stuff. And obviously, as we continue to go, we're, we're of course talking about Arizona's move to fire assistant head coach uh, Mark Phelps at the University of Arizona basketball program. And uh, we are recording this for two different podcasts for Wildcat Radio and for 12 Pack Radio. So just, uh, you know, if you're listening, I know we have subscribers of both. Just know that this is going to be the same one. So if you listen to one, you're going to listen to the other. It's going to be the same content because of how big and sweeping this is, not only for Arizona, for Pac-12 basketball as well. And the move to fire assistant head coach uh, Mark Phelps is... (sighs) We were Rob. We were going to talk about obviously the cloud that's hanging over Arizona basketball and the difference between the FBI investigation and the difference between the NCAA investigation. This is on a separate track, but and I, I want to cover it as on a se- separate track. But obviously, this is all placed in the context of the position that Arizona is in. So let's start with Mark Phelps and the ramifications of that. Rob, what just happened? Uh, Jeff Goodman tweeted out, he was the first with it. He's a basketball reporter, was at uh, ESPN for a long time, now is at Watch Stadium, um, that Arizona was uh, had put Mark Phelps on administrative leave. Um, quite quickly after that, uh, lots of people seemed to all have the story at the same time that Mark Phelps was uh, actually going to be uh, fired, that Arizona had initiated the process to fire Mark Phelps. Um, and it was, it was orig- originally about player to be named later, if you will. But uh, Mark Schleybot, ESPN, broke that uh, it had to do with uh, Mark Phelps facilitating uh, Sharif O'Neill taking a sort of a fraudulent online course for his academic transcripts. Um, there's there there are there's some big speculation from some sources <laughs> in there as well. But that's the basics of what's been reported out. Um, the Arizona AD Dave Hickey has released a, a statement. The Arizona Athletics Department has re- released a statement. Um, Sean Miller has not released a statement. He just the, it's just said that he's uh, fully supports the decision. Yeah, a couple things first. Uh, Mark Phelps is a four-year assistant at the University of Arizona. He was suspended for a couple of games as a coach last year. And uh, it, 
I don't know if it officially came out, but basically um, it was in regards to another player, Keanu Pinder, who is a player from Australia. And uh, the the speculation was that he had basically helped pay for some plane flights for him. Um, that was a violation of NCAA rules. So this is the second time in two years that Phelps has been um, basically suspended from the University of Arizona. This one seems to be like he's not just suspended. He is likely going to be fired. That hasn't happened as of now. So we're still going to say likely fired. But uh, yeah. de- there, when you have this cloud over Arizona, you got to be incredibly careful of what's going on and who's following the rules. So this is a second violation, basically, um, from Phelps as this has happened. When Arizona was first reported as being a school that um, was basically implicated in um, possible payment of players and all the stuff that we're going to talk about in a moment, Rob, um, the Phelps, the, the Phelps suspension in 2017, 2018 season happened like a week after that happened. I mean, it was like bang, bang. And, yeah. and so I, I, I totally understand where this is coming from. Uh, you had mentioned that Sean Miller has not released a statement yet. And I think that's important. The statements that are being released are being released, like you mentioned, from the um, the athletics department. And likely there will be a statement coming. But really just big news based on the overall context of where Arizona's at. Yeah, I mean, the, there, there are reports both from uh, Jason Shear and from uh, Mark Slave on ESPN that uh, the Yahoo report that recently came out this last week um, by Pete Thamel and Pat Forty uh, had a lot to do with this um, and that the sort of overall cloud over the program um, influences decision to terminate Mark Phelps as quickly as they did. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I think it needs to, if you have an assistant coach that helped – <laughs> helped, uh, you know, a kid basically commit academic fraud to get into college. Like you're probably going to fire that coach. So, um, I think maybe you could argue that it, it led to it, the decision being made this quickly. I, I think if you come to the conclusion that that happened, like you probably fire that coach. Um, but it's, uh, it, it's it, like, it's, and it's, it's not totally unrelated in the sense that like, Arizona is going to get sanctions for Book Richardson already. I mean, if you, you know, an assistant agreeing to, you know, funnel players to an agent and taking money for it is is very bad and is a violation of NCAA amateurism. Um, this, however, this this looks bad because this could get Arizona stuck with lack of institutional control between the, the what the two assistants did. And if you are a head coach, the NCAA rules, which were changed a few years ago, you're fully responsible for what your assistants did. There, there it literally is no, I didn't know what Book was doing. I, I've seen a lot of Arizona's fans say that, like, so what, Sean Miller, you know, he can just say he didn't know what Book was doing. Like, that, that doesn't work with the NCAA, and it's not going to work here. Um, and it, this, this, this combined with book on its own could, could get you to a, a, a even more major level of infraction. Yeah. And Rob, just to clarify what you mentioned, cause I know what you were, I know where the direction that you were going, but there are, there are two tracks. So again, the Mark Phelps likely firing is, yeah. is separate from the other things that have shown up in the FBI investigations and now the NCAA investigation. This is a separate issue, but because that, because of the context of where Arizona is now, it likely led to the firing of him very, the likely firing of him very quickly. And 
like you mentioned, let's get into this other portion, this Yahoo report, which has also been uh, basically mentioned by Jason Shear, who's at 247 Sports, is probably one of the more connected Arizona Tucson media members to the Arizona basketball program. And oddly enough, Mark Schlebaugh, who is like kind of uh, gone back and forth with Jason Shear, they are both saying that this is a likely move towards uh, taking action against Sean Miller, that's speculation as of now, but the fact that both of them and Yahoo sports now has, has insinuated that that's could be what's happening right now. I think we have to at least mention that now that it's out by three different people that are really different (laughs) media. Four or four. If you count Jeff Goodman, when one of his subsequent tweets, he also mentioned that this was maybe a move to remove Miller down, you know, uh, within Arizona. So, um, yeah, it's not. Uh, we would be remiss if we did not mention that that was being reported out there. Um, and Yahoo had also reported, uh, you know, about um, you know the the ongoing re- you know the regents have been meeting with the law firm that is doing the internal investigation um, for Arizona on Sean Miller, um, and there there's sort of a little more hype about the Arizona Board of Regents meeting right now. Yeah, and Rob, again, we have two audiences right now. The first is the Pac-12 fans that are probably like chomping at the bit to go after Arizona and Arizona fans. And what we're going to try to, what we're going to try to do is basically if you're an Arizona fan, like give us a moment to walk through what's happening because there's a lot of knee jerk reaction to, like you mentioned, well, if book Richardson did this and you know, he's not cooperating with the FBI, then Arizona's fine. And, um, Oh, Hey, nobody has specifically said, um, or there's no evidence that's pointing to Arizona, um, pain, particular players to direct them to Arizona. Um, there, I would push back on that first, that there is, there is evidence out there and we're going to walk through that. So if you're in Arizona, just, just give us a moment to walk through this because it's important to know what the facts are. And, and, there are some misconceptions on what those facts are. In fact, there are media members um, out there that are basically tweeting out that, Oh, you know, like uh, there, there's no FBI investigation to Arizona. There's not. (laughs) Yes, we, we are quite aware of that. Um, It's the NCAA investigation. That's the, for all intents and purposes right now, the most important thing, Arizona kind of got out and away from the FBI investigation uh, with book Richardson playing guilty um, basically to fraud and, um, and deciding that he's not going to cooperate in his plea deal was not cooperating with the FBI. Um, and then we'll kind of go step by step. I want to throw that to you first. Is that, that's an accurate description of what's going on? Yeah, that's an accurate description. I mean, the sort of overhanging all of this. I mean, I had I've had folks tweet at me that, you know, the NCAA didn't hit Louisville that badly. And so Arizona wasn't going to get it. And I'm like, dude, the NCAA hasn't done anything to Louisville yet. Like, yeah, (laughs) the uh, the NCAA investigations are just getting going Um, and they were waiting for. They've been waiting on the trials to wrap up. Now they are sorting through the evidence of the first trial, um, and that that is looming for Arizona. And there's a lot there's a lot in there. I mean, even if even if you if you as an Arizona fan you don't feel like that there's a smoking gun, there's there's a forest fire worth of smoke. And to be fair, true if you're a Pac-12 fan, like if your school like UCLA, like ASU. Um, I think those are the only Adidas schools in the Pac-12 off the top of my head. I mean, you should be worried. Like the most of the Adidas schools are in quite serious trouble. 
Yeah. So if you're an Arizona fan, uh, we are uh, approaching this from the standpoint of yes, this is a, this is an epidemic in the college basketball landscape. We understand that. Um, what we're trying to do is focus on where Arizona specifically is in that context. So just know that when we talk about Arizona, there's going to be people that are immediately going to think, well, what about Kansas and what about Louisville and what about USC and what about Auburn? And uh, what about all these other schools that were Oklahoma state? And, and then when you get into the Nike schools, like you mentioned, um, uh, ASU, although they haven't been brought up in the actual evidence <laughs> that's been going on. So we get that I've, I'm on record saying we should be paying players uh, and we should have been pay, playing paying players. And we obviously, a lot of schools are paying players. Um, yeah. So that should all be cleaned up. And I think the best way to do that is to, Oh, I don't know, uh, formally pay the players, but that is uh, regardless of what we think should happen. We, we also have to highlight what has happened and let's start, Rob, with the FBI investigations and putting some context into the two groups of um, cases that are going on. And before we do, I should say, so we and, and you, Rob, uh, really went into depth on specifically what's going on with these investigations and where Arizona is. And that's on our website, wildcatradioaz.com. It's the first story there. You should go there, check it out, read it. It goes into more detail than we will likely do on this podcast, but we want to at least cover the, the basic points. So with that said, Rob, what are the two different types of FBI cases that have been moving through? There are two different investigations. Um, the first investigation, uh, and this trial is already complete, you could basically describe it as steering uh, college basketball recruits to Adidas-sponsored schools. Um, and this involves two former Adidas employees, Merle Code and James Gatto, um, and also two runners, um, uh, Manish Sood uh, and Christian Dawkins. And then the government also uh, gave a plea deal to T.J. Gazzanola, um, and he was just charged. Uh, he, he was just uh, sentenced last Friday as part of his plea deal. Uh, but he cooperated as a government witness. And you could best describe him as an Adidas fixer. Um, but Gatto and uh, Code basically worked through Dawkins and Sued um, to transfer Adidas dollars uh, to prospects to attend Louisville, NC State, Kansas, um, and I'm sure a host of other Adidas institutions. Um, but it basically went on uh, the recruitment of a couple of folks. Um, the Sear Little uh, and, and Brian Bowen were the ones that most of the evidence was collected on. Um, there were some other players, D'Souza, uh, that were mentioned in court uh, specifically, and, and that doesn't look good for Kansas at all. Um, but in this case, like the, the government just basically – you know, went after uh, the Adidas folks and these runners for having sort of corrupted, bribed, um, you know, the, these players, you know, these players, and that this was sort of um, suborning, you know, publicly financed institutions. Uh, but like I said, like these, this, this case has already been decided. Uh, they're guilty uh, verdicts for all four of them. Um, Brian Bowen's father and TJ Gasanola were the main prosecution witnesses. Um, and they mentioned, I mean, Brian Bowen mentioned a lot of schools. Brian Bowen senior mentioned a lot of schools having offered money through Christian Dawkins for his son to come play for them. Um, including Arizona Creighton. I mean, a lot, a lot, quite a few schools. When you hit Creighton, like the, you know, the Missouri Valley or no, they're in the big East. Now when you're hitting Creighton though. Like <laughs> there are a lot of schools that wanted him to come play. Um, and that, that trial, I think, is 
is is is interesting. Even if you weren't mentioned there, there's a, you know, even if you weren't mentioned in that trial, if you're in Adidas school, there's a lot to be worried about because I think that there's a lot of evidence that you know sort of isn't out there yet. Yeah, and let's um, let's get to that portion. Yeah. After after the next group of because there's a lot to unravel yeah. <laughs> on that front, but let's go to that second. So the second trial is is more about steering um, current college basketball players to um, professional agents before they go pro, um, and this involves again Dawkins and Sued uh, and four college coaches um, Evans. Uh, I'd have to look up the names real quick. Uh, was, Arizona. Yeah, Lamont Evans at SC. Tony Bland, Chuck Pearson. I'm sorry, Lamont Evans at Oklahoma State. Tony Bland at USC. Uh, Chuck Pearson at Auburn were a number of them. Um, and this is pretty straightforward, actually. These guys were paying the, paying the assistant coaches directly um, to help them steer prospects. And in this case, like almost all of the assistants, I believe, I think maybe except Chuck Pearson, there's one outstanding who has not yet pled guilty. Um, so they all saw the... Um, the four guilty verdicts from the first trial and um, they took some deals and the, the federal government basically decided they did not need these assistants to cooperate. So they, these assistants were given deals that did not require cooperation. So the federal government decided they did not have information that they needed going forward, which is interesting. Um, the, but the, Christian Dawkins has not taken uh, a deal. I don't know that he's been offered one. He has every incentive because he's already facing long prison time from his guilty verdict in the first trial, although that will be appealed um, to fight the second charge. Uh, And his lawyer has, in, in the first trial, the defense made no argument that this did not happen. Their entire argument was, Everyone is doing this, <laughs> um, but the prosecution uh, made a you know uh, submitted a motion, and, and the judge agreed with it that that the defense would be limited in their ability to bring in the scope of sort of this larger sort of nefarious underbelly of college basketball. So the defense was not able to sort of present this wider story. Like they were really limited on what they could come in and talk about. But most of what we know, most of the information that came out that sort of, you know, about players that were not, you know, specifically listed uh, in the complaint actually came out of defense cross examination because their strategy was, you know, where we can let's show how pervasive, you know, shoe money is in college basketball. Dawkins's lawyer in the second trial is, is really threatening to turn it into a circus. Um, there's rumors of, of uh, subpoenaing coaches, including Sean Miller. Um, he has their extensive wiretaps from uh, from Dawkins and Sued, uh, and he's threatening to, to introduce conversations. So if they are allowed uh, a wider berth, if you will, on, on, on their defense in the second trial, like a lot of information about the uh, underbelly of college basketball could come out. And literally anyone who had a conversation conversation with Christian Dawkins during that period where he was wiretapped. And that's a lot of coaches should not feel comfortable. Yeah. Two more things to mention with that. We didn't mention book Richardson, obviously as being one of the assistant coaches, uh, this isn't coach at Arizona who, um, pled guilty to basically, um, taking a bribe to direct, uh, players at Arizona to agencies. The other thing, Rob, just to mention is that in addition to directing players to agencies, it was also financial advisors. I know it doesn't make that big of a difference, but wanted to make oh, sure yeah. to mention that. Um, and let's, let's move to kind of touching the money and, and what 
the differences between uh, an indictment from the FBI and an NCA investigation. I think if you're an Arizona fan or even a Pac-12 fan, there's that picture of Sean Miller coaching Arizona after all this stuff broke. And there was an Arizona fan behind him with a sign that said vindicated with a, with a block a, um, <laughs> that, that, that could be the case, um, in the FBI investigations. And it is possible that the, the judge in this second case with uh, Christian Dawkins, Manush Shud, and Rashawn Michael, who were trying to steer all these players to these agencies and financial agents, um, it, it's possible that the evidence still doesn't get out. The judge could kind of put a cap on it. And what happened, like you mentioned in the first trial, is that uh, basically the judge wanted to show that, or the, the judge wanted to limit that case to did did these people. Um, send money to these players or not, which is a violation of whatever. Did did they do this or not? And the defense wanted to basically say, like, we want to blow this up and talk about the entire infrastructure of college basketball. And they wanted to bring on witnesses and they wanted to, you know, be able to highlight that stuff. And the judge basically said, no, even insofar as to make sure that the jury in that case were people that knew nothing about college basketball. So basically this was, did you try to, in his mind, defraud the universities of money? And uh, I would argue that that that's crazy town. (laughs) It's a rule that they, that a, an agent from Adidas that was asked by a coaching staff of a university to give money to a player to go to said university isn't defrauding the university. They're just doing what the university wants. Like everybody's getting what they want. The, uh, the university gets the player, the player gets the money and everybody's happy. And that was the case. And, but the judge focused it more on, did you just do this or not? And, and they did. So they lost. So again, a little bit more context into that case, but uh, let's talk about specifically why Sean Miller wasn't indicted and why in the same on the same hand, somebody like Rick Pitino wasn't indicted by the FBI. Yeah. I mean, so or, the, or I'm sorry. Or, or, and, and let's add my favorite player in this entire case. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Uh, was it Mr. Augenstein? What's his yeah. first name? Jonathan Brad Augenstein. Let's talk about uh, why all three of them have not been indicted by the FBI and why vindicated is a, uh, it, it's a, it's a, it's a wide term that doesn't apply to some of this other stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, when, when that Mark Schlebaugh story that everyone remembers that, you know, that, that basically said that there was, and, and, and to also to put it out there, I mean, everyone assumes that that source for that Mark Schlebaugh story was Christian Dawkins lawyer, um, that put it out there. But the, the Mark Schlebaugh story was that Sean Miller was on tape with uh, Christian Dawkins discussing a $100,000 payment to, to Andre Hayden. And a lot of Arizona fans and some Arizona you know, journalist sites um, were running around saying, like, listen, like if Sean Miller were on tape discussing paying you know, Dondre and um, Sean Miller would have been indicted as well. And what I want to point out is like Rick Pitino was on tape (laughs) talking about paying Brian Bowen and Rick Pitino was not indicted. And the reason is, is that the money did not go from Rick Pitino to Brian Bowen. It went from Adidas to Christian Dawkins to Brian Bowen, right? Like, so the people that touched the money, were indicted. So for Sean Miller, like, I mean, in, in, in this case, like if, if, if the, this is an, if, if this happened, 
Sean Miller's, you know, the people paying Sean Miller's bills would be Nike. <laughs> so like even if you went, if you had a similar case for Arizona that you see in the first case, it's still unlikely any coaches are actually indicted because it would be unlikely that those coaches actually touched any of those dollars. What you would see would be Nike execs indicted. Um, and that that's a very different standard than an NCAA violation. Like an NCAA violation is literally like you don't know money has to change hands. You just have to offer money. Like yeah. if I like that, that's an NCAA violation. If I offer, if I offer you a hundred thousand dollars to come play at the school, like it does not have to be that I physically gave you a hundred thousand dollars. Like that's a violation. That's a major violation. Um, and I think that there's a big difference there. And people sort of assumed like people assume that because Sean Miller wasn't indicted, that that phone call couldn't exist. And I'm not saying that the phone call does exist. Um, but like th- that in itself is not evidence that the phone call doesn't exist. Let me hit the pause button here for a moment for Arizona fans because, and I would actually consider myself kind of in this group where, uh, so a, a couple things about the Christian Dawkins, DeAndre Aiden, $100,000 story that was released by ESPN. Um, there is a scenario where all of this actually happened. There's a scenario where none of this happened. And there's also a scenario where um, Schleybaugh got some details incorrect in this story. I'm in the middle. I think I think that he got something wrong, which which allowed Sean Miller to come out and basically deny the story. And we had talked this a little bit about this in our last podcast where Sean Miller comes out after the story um, breaks and basically makes a very carefully written statement denying that this this particular instance happened. Um, and you can go back and listen to it and listen to it like you're listening to a, um, a politician who is in trouble um, say that he's not in trouble and use his words very carefully. Um, I think that... My, my, there's a couple items and and pieces of information that would indicate that Schleybach could have gotten this wrong. The first is that Christian Dawkins, uh, was not the, uh, the person running the recruitment for DeAndre Ayton. Uh, he, he was an Adidas guy. Um, and, uh, and obviously Arizona's a Nike school. And so that, that is a fact. I think the, the second thing is that um, that again? Arizona was a Nike school, not an Adidas school. So you have Christian Dawkins running but, around. Yeah, I know, Doc- I know. Dawkins was Dawkins was willing to work with Nike. I mean, he's a runner. He mostly worked with Gatto and Code, but he worked. I mean, he he was willing to to forward Arizona offers onto uh, Brian Bowen's father. Stop harshing my mellow, man. Uh, I'm not. I'm <laughs> no, just, I know. I know. I'm just I, know. Saying, like, I mean, you're, I mean, you're, you're right. To, like, you're right. Like Dawkins mostly worked with Adidas, um, and he was not known. But you're right. He was not known as the contact for Aiden. Yeah, I, and I think that's kind of the bigger thing was that he wasn't the guy doing that. So, um, I, I think there was something wrong there. But we don't. Hey, we don't know what's on the call. Period. Um, and we, we, so therefore we don't quite know what happened, but it does seem like there was, there could, could be something off there, but that the fact that that is still overhanging and we don't know what it is, is, uh, a, I, I'm, I'm worried as an Arizona fan, like I don't want Arizona to be, <laughs> to, to get sanctions and all this stuff. So, um, I just wanted to point that out before we go to the, uh, the, uh, the, the third person, which is, uh, Augustine. 
Yeah, and Augustine's interesting because Augustine took money. Um, Augustine runs an AAU team. He, you know, he concocted this scheme essentially to, uh, to funnel money to. Uh, where he said he was going to funnel money to Nasir Little. Um, and then he took a bunch of money from the FBI and kept it. <laughs> and so the government, I mean, it, like it's this like shady setup in Vegas during one of the big AAU tournaments. And like he, you know, he takes some money in a hotel room. Um, but he, he kept the money. And so the, the federal government actually had to drop the charges against them because he never transferred the money to bribe anyone. And that's fast. Like, I mean, but that should give you like those two things that Rick Pitino was not indicted and neither was Augustine give you the shape. I mean, even if you are not a federal prosecutor, those two things should basically give you the logic that is required in order to charge someone and what, what that, you know, that standard is, um, I mean, yeah, like the Augustine story is hilarious. Like, I mean, he just like he just he just made it up. Like, he's like, yeah, sure. Like, uh, I'm I'm the contact. Give me the money. Fortune favors the bold, Rob. Fortune favors I mean, the bold. I, like, I wish like I wish that the story was he got the key to the money. I'm sure he didn't. But <laughs> um, so a couple things to mention in these cases uh, regarding the University of Arizona. And this is this will go into the NCA investigation. The first is that Brian Bowen. In the first trial, like you mentioned, Rob, um, under oath with a penalty of perjury if he is if he does not tell the truth. So Brian Bowen took a plea deal basically to say, "Yeah, I'll sure, I'll I'll tell you whatever you guys need. Just don't don't get me in trouble." Um, so he's on on the stand, and apparently he was hysterical. Like I mean, because he, he he knows where some of the bodies are, um, and yeah. he's basically one of the quotes that. It was uh, Gary Parrish had mentioned was he basically said, I don't get why nobody's been murdered yet. <laughs> I mean, like any he, he said it, obviously <laughs> yeah. he said it facetiously, but uh, I think he kind of was trying to paint a picture of like, look, this is kind of what's going on. So he under oath in a trial as a witness who has no reason to lie to um, uh, to the FBI or to the government or to a judge um, has said and claims that the University of Arizona was going was willing to pay him fifty thousand dollars to steer his son to the University of Arizona, and that would have been done through then Arizona assistant coach Joe Pasternick, who is now the head coach at uh, the University of Santa Barbara. Um, and anything else we should mention on that specific portion? No, I mean, I think people are sort of like, yes, that is hearsay, right? Like, I mean, it's not, I mean, it's, it wasn't, it wasn't necessary to convict in this case. It was just information that came out under cross-examination by the defense. Um, but it was not, it's, and it, it may not be enough on its own for an NCAA violation, but people are acting like Brian Bowen can just get up there and say whatever he wants and that he could like make this up with no repercussions. There is no prosecutor that would not nail you to the wall for perjury if you blow a case. Because if it turns out that the defense could later go back and prove that that did not happen and you said it, you are dead. <laughs> because that on its own is usually enough to get you in deep trouble with the federal judge. Um 
and potentially make your case much harder to make. The judge may, may, may sort of sanction you and make your, the federal prosecutor's case harder to make. It can also be enough to sway a jury. Like, so, I mean, like the, the penalty of perjury here is not something the NCAA usually has when they're, uh, when they're doing interviews. So the NCAA is going to give these interviews tremendous credence. I mean, it's also true, like the interviews with the FBI, like lying to the FBI is a crime. So any information the NCAA is able to get out of just straight up FBI interviews is also going to be given tremendous credence. Yeah. There could be a scenario, Rob, where he is lying and, yeah. and or was wrong or forgot or forgot or you know whatever. So like I'm not saying that this is rock solid information. What I am saying is that Arizona fans are taking this way more lightly than they should. Um, well, this, and it's not like we have to prove that Christian Dawkins was like like some dude that just made it up and like was never a runner. Like Christian Dawkins was a runner. Like he's already guilty. <laughs> he's already moved money. The NCAA is not going to have to like work super hard to like prove Christian Dawkins like role in these things. And so if Christian Dawkins said, yeah, I talked to the coaches because that's my job and I was offered this money by this coach, like. The NCAA doesn't like they only need one one more link and that's it. Yeah, and Bruce Bowen was thus like the star witness basically for the prosecution, and yeah. his testimony was enough to freaking get these four people <laughs> a guilty uh, a guilty verdict. Like that, that. That's why. So when when we're pushing back on Twitter. Basically, like pointing to this, that is the reason why. And you could disagree yeah. with us, but we are stating what happened. We are not stating speculation. We are stating this happened in the court, and he said this under oath. And he could be wrong, but like you can't just discount that as say, "No, this is hearsay." Yeah. This well, he and Gasanola, I mean, like really tied it all together. I mean, like if you're an Arizona fan, the Bowen thing's not great. Man, if you are an Adidas school, like watch out because TJ Gasadola likes to talk and has basically all the information. <laughs> uh, the second thing that came at Rob was a, so we've been asked a couple times, where are the phone calls? Where are the transcripts? They're there. They're like literally on ESPN.com. You can read them. And one of them is, which was submitted for evidence was a recorded phone conversation. And there is a transcript on ESPN. We link to it in our, in our, um, uh, in our story on wildcatradioaz.com, there's a recorded phone conversation between Merle Cote and James Gatto, again, the Adidas guys, that are claiming that Arizona offered $150,000 to then senior uh, Nasir Little to play for Arizona. Again, this is secondhand information, right. but it's also something that the NCAA can follow. Yeah, I mean, there's so, like, within this, there's, there's just an immense amount of, of smoke. Right. Um, and, and for little and for these other players, like, like you said, and like we talked about, like Christian Dawkins, he's, he, he worked with the Adidas guys a lot. He's also a bit of a free agent, right? Like he, he worked with Nike, you know, he's willing to work with Arizona clearly. Um, so on this, like Christian Dawkins, he was wiretapped for a bit. He was followed around by the FBI. They have all of his phone records. You know, there are 13 calls of at least five minutes between Sean Miller and Christian Dawkins. Um, there's there's just a there's a lot of potential for this information out there that that could get out and um, there's Christian Dawkins' lawyer has basically been intimating that like he's got the goods on tape <laughs> for this the second trial like he's he's basically threatening to turn it into a circus. I think the 
other thing to mention as we go into the NCA portion of this is that the number one takeaway is that the amount of evidence that the NCAA needs to bring sanctions or punishment onto a school is significantly lower than the amount of evidence and information the FBI needs to have in order yeah. to indict a coach. Yeah. You should always, you should think of the NCAAs both, uh, in this case, their regulatory reach, if you will, uh, is more expansive. Um, and their evidentiary standard is lower. Um, so that's that in, in all of these cases, I mean, like there, there are things that are not federal crimes. I mean, I would, I mean, I would argue I'm skeptical that any of this was a federal crime, but, uh, <laughs> there are things that are not federal crimes, you know, that the FBI collected evidence on that are, that are NCAA violations. Um, and there's, there's sort of been a, an unspoken assumption, I mean, spoken by some media members that the NCAA is going to get their hands on some of this information. We've seen some of it leaked out already. Um, you know, the NCAA is, and, and this information isn't like a lot of evidence that sort of like goes, you know, like never sees the light of day after a trial. Like there, there's immense public interest in this information. And um, if any bits of this information come out, like it could be quite damning. I would also add, Rob, the fact that these are, People that were likely making, maybe not Dawkins and the Runners, but Gatto um, and Code, is a Code? Yeah, Merle Code. Yeah. yeah. Those guys were probably getting paid a decent amount of money. And now they are guilty of a federal crime and they're facing jail time. And uh, what would be a way, Rob, if you were in that position where you can maybe make some money to pay for your mortgage, to help your family out, um, and to make sure that you have some financial stability? Well, there's two. Th- I mean, so like, and I want to be crystal clear here. Like, if you want to see all of college basketball burned down, I mean, like TJ Gasanola could probably burn down every Adidas school on his own, um, and so could Gatto. Code spent ten years at Nike Grassroots Basketball before he moved over to Adidas. Like Merle Code knows where all the bodies are buried, um, and for the, I mean, Gatto and Code could decide to write a tell-all book in order to make some post-prison income. Um, and they could also, I mean, parole boards like to see you've, you've turned a new leaf. Uh, and so if, if they're up for early release, having cooperated with the NCAA to show that you've turned a new leaf would look really good to a parole board. Um, and, and if they're, I mean, these people are not hardened criminals. They have, you know, families and, um, you know, they were working a pretty, I mean, not, not by my standards, what I would think of, I would think it was like kind of a cool job, but like not necessarily a normal job, <laughs> um, but like, I mean, they had a, like they had a normal job. These people pay taxes, right? Like, I mean, this, all this income was reported. Um, I mean, not the stuff they were paying out to parents, of course, but like their income was reported. So like they're. They, they, they could cooperate with the NCAA just to try to get out of prison early. Also, and, and there's going to be an appeal, like all of that, those verdict, guilty verdicts from the first trial are being appealed. And the, the judge in an appeal could decide to give them leeway on uh, on, on their defense and, and allow in a lot of stuff that uh, wasn't allowed in in the first trial. And that could change things dramatically. 
Another point of information that is worrisome if you're an Arizona fan would be looking at what the other schools, not all of them, but what some of the other schools have done to try to preempt the NCA violations. Normally, what you'll see when, uh, particularly in football, if something happens that is, uh, you know, outside the realm of NCA rules, you'll have a school take a bull ban, like a self-imposed bull ban, basically say, look, we, we take the, we have the highest levels of integrity at the university of Mississippi or what, you know, whatever, um, that happened kind of with Louisville. They, they fired Rick Pitino without him being indicted just to get out in front of this at yeah. Kansas. And I think Kansas is in a lot of trouble here, but they, I yeah, <laughs> like it's, I mean, I think one of the things that, that people are probably screaming, what about all these other schools? I, I'm not, I'm just speaking to Arizona uh, with again, the full understanding that this happened in a lot of different universities and we'll get to uh, there there may be being some power in numbers here Rob. but the the thing that arizona did not do which was different from louisville firing its coach uh rick patino by the way who's won multiple national champions multiple final fours um which is also different from what kansas did was uh so sylvia d'souza was a player that basically his handler took a, a decent, it wasn't a ton of money, but he took like $2,500 and then was uh, basically slated to receive more money to direct D'Souza to the University of Kansas. And uh, Kansas suspended D'Souza this year. Yeah. He has not played. And they were basically trying to appeal the, the, um, they were trying to appeal to get him to maybe be suspended for a year. And the NCAA basically said, nope, you are, you know, uh, you are hereby suspended for like two years or something. Yeah. Uh, but at least Kansas took a little bit of um, initiative on their own to sit D'Souza. So they were being f- m- as minimally proactive as they possibly could. But you have to remember, like D'Souza was a major part of that Final Four run that they had. So um, so they did that. The University of, of Arizona has done none of that. And in fact, this goes back to um, Mark Phelps and the decision to likely let him go as a coach was like literally one or two weeks after all this stuff happened. Then you had Mark Phelps come out uh, and uh, likely have paid for um, some flights for the um, uh, Keanu Pinder. And and now you have this again. So uh, Arizona has taken no precautions on that front. And I do think, Rob, that part of the reason, and I actually on a podcast probably a year ago figured, you know, you might as well just try to ride this out because you don't know what's coming up and you don't know what's happening. And, And because there could be a scenario where a ton of schools get uh, get hit. And then when it's Arizona and Kansas and Duke and, and UCLA and, you know, go down the, the laundry list of blue blood programs that are caught up in this, then you start thinking, okay, like, are we, are we going to go specifically after Arizona and Kansas and, and pull like a Reggie Bush USC scenario where you're just swinging the sword right at one school? Or do you have a come to Jesus moment where you have to basically figure out that you're dealing with all these schools and for Arizona, the better scenario would be somebody like uh, TJ Gasanola just basically says, look, I'm going to tell you everything. And then the, then a bunch of programs are clumped together. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, I I think that's exactly right. Like if you're, I think I'm not saying Arizona is definitely dead in the water, but there's enough smoke out there that like as an Arizona fan, you should be worried. And what you're hoping for basically is that you don't have some sort of like selective leaking like that. That Mark Schlebaugh story was like the worst case scenario if you're an Arizona fan, like basically really bad information that comes out about Arizona and no one else. Um, 
I mean, I've, I've been very surprised by the way Kansas has been reacting, given the information that already came out in court about what they, <laughs> what, they, what, what, what they had on them. Um, I mean, I think Kansas is in a lot of trouble. I mean, they raided the FBI raided Kansas's basketball offices. Um, I mean, I, I I don't think Kansas and maybe Bill Self are able to survive this. Um, and we can say that because we're not a Big Twelve podcast, uh, and no one's going to come for it. The Kansas fans shouldn't find us. Uh, but I think if you're if you're Arizona, like you're you're still it still makes sense to I think write it out until you've got enough evidence that you you're, you're sort of like you, you're forced your hand is forced because I, I don't think that the NCAA can sort of like give the top 35 to 40 coaches in college basketball give all of them show cause penalties um, so I mean it like sucks to be Rick Pitino because you're probably getting a show cause penalty no matter what um, but I, I just I, I don't know that the NCAA could, could do that I mean it's not to say that everybody won't get some sort of form of sanctions and problems but that probably doesn't lead to like 40 coaches getting laid off or 40, 40 entire staffs getting laid off um, that said any coach that gets, and I think this is true. If there is a coach who is on tape and that tape gets released either early or in a trial talking to someone about money to direct a player to come to that university, they're going, nobody is going to not follow Louisville's example when they fired Rick Pitino. If there's an assistant that is doing the same. I think that head coach also gets fired because, because of that NCAA rule that means the coach is fully responsible. The head coach is fully responsible. Yeah. And to kind of wrap a bow on this, we'll talk a little bit more about some details, but basically when you hear the Yahoo story and ESPN and Jeff Goodman and Jason Shear talk about, um, Arizona's move against Mark Phelps being the first step in a, in a possible move against Sean Miller, the the reason is because of all this other stuff that's overhanging the program, and uh, and again you kind of have to hope this is happening everywhere. Um, so if you're an Arizona fan, you kind of got to hope a that you know some of this stuff is just hearsay or like there isn't quite enough for the NCA to do something on. Which is a possibility that there's also a possibility of the NCA again, like you mentioned, going after 40 programs and then being like, okay, how are we going to do this and and lightening the uh, the punishments. Um, but and I like Jason's stuff for the most part. I think he he sends out good stuff. I think the idea like he had just sent out a tweet. Uh, today, tonight, basically saying that the NCAA investigation um, isn't even over yet. So, you know, and Arizona's moving against Sean Miller. Well, yeah, the NCAA investigation happened like two, started two days ago. Um, and the NCAA investigation is going to include all of the things that we probably talked about. And that's the reason why, um, I, if you're an Arizona fan, you shouldn't be shocked that, um, that there is a lot of skittishness in the Arizona basketball program and to, to staple the FBI investigation to the NCA investigation, which has happened, um, I think is, is crazy town. <laughs> like I think you have yeah. to treat them separately. And that has not been the case with, um, with some of the, the Arizona media. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people sort of, um, have sort of thought it went away that like it was like the NCAA didn't do anything from the get go. And the NCAA decided quite early on. And, and I think in conversations with federal prosecutors that they were not going to do anything until the case is wrapped. 
Um, part of that was that they would get information while the cases were going on, but um, they definitely did not want to step on the federal prosecutor's toes. I mean, like the the main point of the story all along was that you know the the, the bumpy road for everyone is just getting started. I mean, Louisville still hasn't you know even gotten a notice of allegations from the NCAA. Like this is just getting going for everyone in college basketball. Yeah, I I guess. Part of the reason we did this is because, like, some of the stuff, frankly, and again, like, I like, I like Sheer. I follow Sheer. I, I, nice to, I don't think he really cares whether, <laughs> whether I follow him or not, uh, but I do. And, and just like to go out on Twitter and to say basically, like, Arizona wasn't even under FBI investigation. And, and just that, that's not the approach to take to this. The approach to take to this is what is coming out of the FBI investigation that will be picked up by the NCAA and then used against Arizona. Yeah. It's the exact yeah. opposite of what he was. I mean, like, it's kind of like a crusade of, yeah, see, I told you, like, you know, the FBI stuff, you know, Book Richardson is, is, is not cooperating and stuff. Like, no, no, no. Like, that's the, he could be, he could, he could yeah. be right without being, Right. In the sense of like Arizona could come out of this clean I and mean, there, there is a right. possibility and we're not. And I hope they do. Um, but that is not taking into account the facts that are out right now that um, that are going to be looked at by the NCAA. Um, and those facts have to be confirmed and looked up that they, they can do that. Yeah. Well, and people forget, too. I mean, like what book Richardson did is an NCAA violation. Like, yeah. That, that's coming like that's not going away um and he pled guilty like like there's no question of like oh you know like did he do it did he not do it like yeah, well that one's over um and and I, I i think the trouble for if this is a move i mean this is again pure speculation if this is a move against miller it's one it gets one of a couple things but the first would be <clears throat> that People feel that, and and Sheer just tweeted this out. I mean, like, this there there are three now three or four different sources that are saying, you know, this is part of a move against Miller within the Arizona administration. If it is, it's from the combination of the two assistants, and it's a fear of a lack of institutional control finding by the NCAA, um, or it is a it is that the internal investigation that Arizona, the law firm has been doing for Arizona has been turning things up that haven't been made public yet. Um, and then that the, they are looking for a way to, to, to pull the ripcord. But um, I, I don't know. Um, we are not speculating that Sean Miller is going to be fired. That speculation is already out there and that's being reported according to, to, to sources at several major <laughs> news outlets, including I mean, what is without a doubt, I mean, Shears um, Wildcat Authority is the most vociferously pro Sean Miller site out there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in other news, Washington's going to play zone and Arizona's going to lose tomorrow. So, um. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, I do not want to watch Arizona play against the two, three zone. Uh, I mean, Zone is without a doubt Sean Miller's kryptonite, and uh, Washington's got a good one. No, here, so here, here's a hot take. I I think Arizona covers. 
and I think they, I actually think they have a chance. I, I do. I, it's it's Mikhail. It's it's one of those like I mean Washington has played really well and they've won eleven it's games true. in a row and um, Noah Dickerson is out. So th- there's literally I mean I was like kind of joking about Arizona losing to the zone, but like there's a there's a scenario where Arizona actually beats Washington at home. I wouldn't bet on them beating them, but I do think that they cover the spread. Um, and who knows? I mean this is a huge distraction. Obviously, uh, it'll be interesting to see how the team reacts and how Sean Miller reacts. And if you are a Pac-12 basketball fan that isn't an Arizona fan, tuning in just to see how the crowd reacts, uh, I think that's worth it. Just tune in for the first couple minutes. Oh my gosh! Like the it could be it could be it could be interesting. Like it's, it's Arizona fans are generally very pro Sean Miller. Um, so I mean, I would fully expect Sean Miller to get like a standing ovation tomorrow. I I don't think they do. I think that it's um, it'll be supportive but tepid. Uh, and and I, okay. I I the response to Miller when after the FBI it was after the ESPN report came out the the Schlebaugh piece that was when Arizona gave him the standing ovation because some of that stuff still didn't make sense it's for to me yeah. it still is. I, I think that he got a lot of stuff right probably in that story and this is speculation of mine because we don't know what happened we don't and like I, I I frankly don't think he actually saw the transcript or or heard the <laughs> or heard the tape but that that's like my uh whatever I could be totally wrong on that that's just what I think and you, you know y'all can prove us wrong um but now I think there's enough smoke for Arizona fans to especially the smart ones like McHale fans like the, the Arizona alums that show up at McHale, like that is a really good crowd and a very smart basketball crowd. And uh, a good example is when, when you go to basketball games and when there's a foul and it's, and it's not a foul, the difference between McHale and some other, now the students are totally different. The students are all drunk or whatever anyway. Um, but the difference between McHale and some other basketball programs are if it's not a foul, the crowd doesn't go nuts. And there's a lot of, fan bases like this iowa state's a good one kansas i mean like it's not just unique to arizona but it is a good crowd i think this crowd is smart enough to go mm, like this is this is a especially with the, with the likely firing of phelps i think it's i think they're kind of understanding that now it's a possibility that there could be some trouble down the road and yeah and frankly for i have received on the wildcat radio az account which is our twitter handle wildcat radio az um I have received significantly more negative feedback um, on like Sean Miller criticisms in the past than I have uh, on this. There's like three or four people that are constantly responding when we send stuff out. And I've been very careful not to speculate. I have been very careful just to basically say, here are the facts. Um, And there's only like four people that are responding. And I assumed that it was going to be a tidal wave (laughs) of of negative feedback, which we haven't gotten. We haven't gotten a ton of positive feedback, but I do think that the fan base probably is, is taking a deeper look now. So that was kind of the purpose of this podcast. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, uh, I mean, we, and, and, and the, and the article itself too. I mean, I think that there are a lot of misconceptions. It's not just Arizona fans that I think have a lot of misconceptions. So I think there are just a lot of misconceptions because the process has taken so long. I mean, like it was a year ago that these indictments were handed down. Um, you know, the, you know, only the first trial trials really completed, um, you know, the, the fact that the NCAA hasn't done anything yet can easily get lost. 
Anything else we should cover here, Rob? Um, I mean, that, that, this is certainly I mean, the story of the ever. For, for it's me. National Signing Day. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. That's so funny. <laughs> I totally forgot. I mean, in fairness, there were like 25 people that hadn't signed their national letters of intent till today. So, well, well, what's going on with UCLA? They have like. Oh, my God. Nobody. Like, so, so, like, well, should we do the rankings first? I mean. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm using the 24-7 composite rankings. Um, wait, wait, let, let's, let's pause first and, and do your thing about why stars actually matter. Okay. Stars matter, people. Um, I have the data to back it up. So um, I run a preseason prediction model. Recruiting rankings are a part of that. Um, and it's uh, it's not just like so people to give you like a raw correlation statistic. Like this is better than a raw correlation statistic because I'm actually controlling for a lot of other things as well. Um, how much of your production you have returning, um, you know, how good were you in prior years? Uh, and so we're recruiting here, like I, I am getting a more isolated recruiting score. And recruiting is actually quite correlated with uh, it's more correlated with defense. Um, and it's uh it's a little less correlated with offense. So like pure athleticism and, and recruiting stars matter a little more on defense than they do on offense, but it still matters on offense. Um, and so don't discount it. Like recruiting rankings are actually fairly predictive. Um, and, and I'll say this, like getting stars, like actual star players matter, like getting five stars, like getting a couple of five stars actually matters more than signing like 10, four stars. Um, like the, like, Truly elite players are the ones that get you to national championships and conference championships. Nice. So what what are the rankings here? So Oregon, uh, sort of the sneaky under the radar um, story within the Pac-12 this season was actually Oregon's football recruiting, which has just been unbelievable. The best Oregon football recruiting, I think you could say we have ever seen under Cristobal. Um, They finished seventh nationally. Uh, which is great. And they looted California under USC's nose this season. Number Washington comes in and they had a strong finish today, um, signing a couple players. Um, they had a really good defensive line class. Um, they come in at number 17. USC finishes at number 18. This is the worst finish for USC recruiting in quite some time. <clears throat> and I think it's the first time in five years they've actually been outside the top 10 nationally in recruiting. Um, so that's a big deal of, I mean, I think part of the reason Clay Helton was able to keep his job was was recruiting. Uh, Stanford comes in at number 21. That's a pretty respectable ranking for a school that has standards like Stanford to get into. Um, Arizona State finished pretty strong, too, going back into Long Beach Poly and getting a kid. Um, Arizona State finished at number 31. Um, so if you're looking for more reasons to feel encouraged about Herm Edwards, um, they recruited pretty well this season uh, or this uh, cycle um, Cal finishes at 41 um, pretty solid class I mean by this by the time you get down into this you know part of the rankings um, you know a lot of these teams are signing I mean Cal signed one four star uh, and 23 uh, three stars so it gets a little less exact here I mean I, I, I you, it's hard to make an argument that like one's three star is often tremendously different than another Um the the big story, and we, we'll cut, we should cover this after we get over everybody else. UCLA, UCLA finishes at number forty three. Uh, no five stars, which they have signed in the recent past. One one four star, and seventeen three stars. Um, Colorado finishes at forty four. Um, the interesting the interesting story I think of Colorado is they signed Lavisca Chenault's little brother. 
um, this season. Utah actually finished pretty strong today. I mean, like a lot of like Arizona didn't actually sign anyone today, um, but Utah signed a four-star JUCO offensive tackle, and they uh, got a late pickup um, on a, a four-star running back. So uh, pretty good. Uh, I mean, what, what what looked like a very. I mean, it's not great. Like ranking number forty-eight in the country ain't great. Um, but it's a lot better than it looked a couple of days ago for Utah. Uh, so they finished with four four stars uh, and 12 three stars. Uh, then we start, you know, continuing to move down here. Um, so Arizona finishes at number 10 in the Pac-12, number 55 overall, um, one four star, uh, 18 three stars. Um, Washington State finishes number 63 overall, 23 stars. And then Oregon State comes in at 67. So that's some of those rankings. I mean, like it's, that's not great. Like Oregon States with a lot of like group of five schools down there. Nice. Nice. Um, all right, let's talk UCLA and then let's get out of here. What the heck was that? (laughs) Oh my God. Um, that's amazingly bad. I mean, and they missed on some guys that they were supposedly like, uh, that they were kind of in the mix for today. Um, but uh, not signing. I mean, not signing just a bevy. I mean, not finishing the top 25, um, not signing multiple four-star recruits. If you're UCLA, uh, particularly when like, you know, they've lost some big name recruits, particularly on defense that have transferred out in the last couple in this last year. Um, this is, this is really bad. I mean, Chip Kelly, um, he was never known as sort of a recruiting monster at Oregon, but uh, he usually recruited better than this. And I mean, like I said, like stars aren't perfectly predictive, but they're, they are usually predictive and uh, Chip Kelly's making it a lot harder. And also, I mean, like the conference needs, I mean, like, like the, the, the USC signed as many of the top 20 prospects in California as Texas did. Oh, um, oh gosh. I mean, that's just, I mean, it's like Washington, I mean, Washington and Oregon rated a lot of California too, but I mean, the two LA schools had, uh, by their standards, incredibly bad years. But I, I mean, I, I, if I was a UCLA fan, I would be livid. I mean, Chip Kelly's got some answering to do for this class. Yeah. Well, shouts to, uh, Oregon. I mean, just what they were able to do now, the, I mean, the argument against the stars, which I still, I agree with you hundred percent on, on, you know, star rankings matter is, do you have the coaches that can at least coach them up? And oh, yeah. uh, we'll see with Cristobal. I think I look, Oregon's defense wasn't great last year under Levitt. I still, and I still trust Levitt. Uh, well, let's see what happens at UCLA and USC. I know obviously Chip Kelly has a history of being a really strong coach, but that was when he was trailblazing, you know, the offensive system, and that has all kind of caught up. So let's see if he has a second act. He certainly did uh, some good good stuff with the running back Allen there, um, <laughs> starting a, basically a walk on from UC Davis over Sasso Jumbo and uh, Ola Mafunmi. So I think there's, you know, he certainly can do things with okay talent and build them up. But you know, be nice to have it to start. And this UCLA team, like when we get to talk about them and get to do the write up for this offseason, like I'm, I'm just dying to see, like because they didn't sign anybody that great quarterback wise. Um, you know, Thompson Robinson didn't transfer, but he and Kelly did not really have the best season last season together. I mean, his dad was basically calling Kelly out <laughs> publicly. So, like, I'm just UCLA. Like, this could be fun again. Come on. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, that is pretty crazy town that I didn't even think about the quarterback system there and, and who they have. So uh, something to keep an eye on. All right, let's get out of here. This is about an hour. Again, you can subscribe to the podcast for free on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, any podcast catcher. We are there. You can search 12 Pack Radio if you're a Pac-12 fan or Wildcat Radio if you're an Arizona fan. Follow us on Twitter at Wildcat Radio AZ or 12 Pack Radio at 12PAC Radio. Rob, thanks for joining us, man. Oh, absolutely. This was uh, this wasn't necessarily fun, but it was interesting to dive into, and I, I think it was good to talk about. Oh, absolutely. Um, we will catch you all next week.